And now, New Galaxy Enterprises proudly presents Threshold Radio. This is Johnny Blue Star. Welcome to Threshold, a global media event. Is the universe just a random dance of atoms, or is it a manifestation of a supremely intelligent architect? Can its purpose, or our purpose here on Earth, be adequately assessed? Can we commune with it, know its intentions, cooperate with its direction? Here, we define threshold as a gateway state of awareness, allowing mankind to cross into a place of real cognition. Threshold allows us to approach questions of higher reality through the door of experience, rather than mere belief. Welcome to Threshold, where we tear away the veil from commercial media, bringing our audience and participants into another realm of reality and enhanced communication. Have you had a longing to create an original book, screenplay, or other media project, but neither had the time nor expertise to do it? I'm Johnny Bluestar, and I founded New Galaxy Enterprises to help ambitious, busy, but highly creative people fulfill their goals to create poignant media projects. If you need help to accomplish your goals, visit NewGalaxyEnterprises.com or contact me at JohnnyBlueStar at gmail.com. Turn your vision into a dazzling media reality. Manifest your media dream today. This is Johnny Lustar back on Threshold Radio with Stephanie Slevin, a United Kingdom singer-songwriter and one of the more interesting and talented people I know. Well, one of the things about Stephanie that I really like is that she uh, enjoys Wayne Dyer in the same way that I do and kind of lives her life in accordance with some of these principles. I say kind of because, you know, the more I get into it, the more I realize the depth of of Wayne Dyer's teachings. Right now, we're working on a video in a book called The Power of Intention. We're on part two. In YouTube, you can find part two, The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer, and listen to it. And of course, you can get his book. I found them both very, very interesting. I don't think reading and looking at a video is the same thing. There's more contemplation involved, I think, sometimes with uh, with a book. So, Stephanie, you've gone through this, right? Yeah. And uh, what is your general impression now of the power of intention discussion? Oh, I think it's um, I think it's great, and I love the things he says and the way he looks at things. And because um, I'm I'm being led by the spirit now, I can connect to a lot of things that he's saying. And he says you look at things differently, and you'll see things differently, and that's very true. I actually um, wrote this little thing. I put um, you see a homeless man, a drug addict, begging, laying on the floor. Stop. Don't pass by. Look a little closer. You'll see a whole lot more. And that's what he's kind of saying as well, you know? Definitely. He is. And he's talking about, like, how readily we will dismiss somebody who's homeless or begging or needs needs something from us uh, without even looking or smiling or caring for a minute or even just sending them a silent blessing if we don't feel we can do anything. I know sometimes we're on the highway with my wife and... Uh, we see somebody begging, and it's just no way I, we can get over to them. But at least we can pray that they get some help. So. Yeah. I've always had a special connection to the homeless because I remember my grandfather, when I was taken away from him, he was a very well-dressed man, very well-spoken man, and he became disheveled, and he didn't care about himself anymore, and he used to walk the streets waiting at the bus stops for me to come back, which I never did because I was just a child, and people thought he was homeless. And So I've always had this empathy for the homeless people because of that, you know? I look at them differently. So There's a little story in, in this uh, video where he's – trying to, uh, you know, he's dealing with somebody who is probably homeless and begging, and uh, he just walks away, and he starts to think about it, like, should I have done that? So he starts to chase after this guy, and finally finds him, he has to go into a building and finds him downstairs, and he's disheveled as before and really looking bad, and he gives him just some random change that he had in his pocket. And the guy just completely breaks down with, with joy and gratitude for what he did, as though he had, you know, uh, done something uh, miraculous for him. And in fact, in pro he probably did. But he was thinking about how much joy he gave to this man by something that cost him almost nothing except a good intention. Yeah. 
because you see a lot of people I've seen homeless people and a lot of people walk past and I've actually when I've given them things I've had people say bad things to me why are you giving those people money they're low lives this and that I say it's my money I do what I want with it and I don't like when people say that about other people you know you have to look at things differently to see what's really going on you know Stephanie how you were saying that you feel connected to spirit a great deal of the time I do too but intermittently I fall from that awareness of of intention quite a bit I know what it's like to be coming from spirit but because of my own psychology I have a lot of work to do and particularly recently I had some tremendous problems because Let's say that I was re- my radio show was rejected by a sponsor, and I was kind of looking towards that solution uh, and that, that you know that benefit from for a new program. And this uh, threw me off considerably. I and I kept saying, you know, I'm not really angry. I'm not really angry because anger has always been a tremendous problem for me. But then I started to listen to Wayne, and when I did, he started to talk about judging other people. And I realized, I know this sounds stupid, Stephanie, but I realized that I could be judging a person very harshly and not really be angry at them. But still, that judging of another person, I felt, was cutting me off from source. And so when I started to to listen to Wayne and he was talking about the dangers of judging other people, I realized, oh, well, you know, I've disconnected myself from anger sometimes. But I have not at all disconnected myself from from judging people. Can you explain that to me? Well, I can relate. But um, when I was getting many, many rejections and not really believing in myself, I didn't get angry. I got more upset because I'm I'm a sort of person that doesn't really get angry. I take things to heart and I get more upset. But then I started to realize when I connect to spirit that if one, if 10 doors close, they're not the right doors. Another one will open. I mean, look at the way we connected. You was having a, a bad time. I was having a bad time. And then spirit led led us, led me to you and you to me. So I don't think there's any reason to be angry. You know, you just I just pray all the time and I just keep myself calm. But as I say, I've never really been an angry person. I've more been upset. But I'm not upset anymore now when I get rejected. I just know that's that's not for me. And I'll carry on because God opens doors no man can shut. So I'll just wait until the right door opens and I'll just keep going. So, in my opinion about myself, I'm an angry and upset person. <laughs> and I, I got rid of a lot of the anger, not all of it, but a lot of well, it. Well, I wrote a little quote for you. Um, yeah. Look back to the cross, but never in anger. I understand. That's just for you now, you see. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's kind of funny, because when I was a kid, I used to pass a Catholic church, and there was a Jesus on a crucifixion. This was in Brooklyn. I was maybe five or six years old. That always upset me. And when I, when I see anything like that, like I just saw Ben-Hur, when I see Jesus on a cross, it makes me very angry. Now, when I see Jesus on a cross, I get very emotional. I don't get angry. I, get, I feel pain and I get upset. Well, so it's I could say that I get upset and I get angry. <laughs> well, the thing is, I have a double whammy problem, maybe more, more triple whammy. I don't know, but... I just realized, though, as I was thinking about the people I was judging, and that there has a, there's a negativity in judging, too. It's sort of a, a condemnation. It's not anger, but it's silently condemning. I realized, like, oh, if I really believe in what Dyer is saying, there's a certain perfection in even, even that, even things that, that seem to be going wrong, or people who seem to be off base in some way, this is where they're at. Can I accept them without being negative about it, without condemning them? I guess that's my question. Well, I guess when we're angry with other people, or we judge other people, we're actually angry with ourselves and judging ourselves maybe, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that I wanted to discuss was the um, was Dyer's seven faces of intention. I think that would be very interesting to go into. He feels that uh, there are certain discrete components of intention. Now, let's just go, before we, before we take our break and just start to discuss this, let's just go over one thing. Dyer does not think of intention as, as the kind of brutal will to push through every challenge and every possibility uh, to, to get something done. Not an act of pure brute will. 
but rather the kind of the opposite, that there is a field of, in, of intention that is basically connected to source. It is source. And source is, an, is sort of an energy field that has produced everything in the universe, but is in itself essentially good, essentially righteous. And by connecting to source, you get the chance to, um, to manifest yourself in, in a very perfect way. And so again, it's more like submitting yourself, identifying with, communing with, becoming one with source that gets you something. And that is, that is the connection that he's looking for, and that is the intention that he's trying to promote. And we'll be right back. Here's a song about faith. It was inspired by the life of boxer Hurricane Reuben Carter, whose cause became super famous because of Bob Dylan's song and a movie based on his life. Now here, Stephanie's song was written after his release, but based on his act of faith while in prison. He said, hate put me in here, but love will bust me out. Framed for a murder I didn't commit. Was good with my hands, knew how to hit. But I didn't kill anyone. I used to paint a pretty picture Till they put me in the frame I was a damn good boxer Hurricane was my name For what's out of the mind, yeah Well, it's in the courtyard My gloves may be off now But I'm still fighting real hard And hey, put me in here but love's gonna bust me out You might not see my lips moving But you'll hear my heart shout That hate put me in here But love's gonna bust me out I could've won the title They didn't want me to be a sir White folks destroyed my life Evil thoughts they did concur For they hate put me in here But love's gonna bust me out You might not see my lips moving But you'll hear my soul shout That hate put me in here and love's gonna bust me out I float like a butterfly And I string like a bee I think I was kind of an idol To Muhammad Ali He knew that he put me in here And love's gonna bust me out you might not see my lips moving, but the Lord heard me shout. For Lazarus came calling, it was a sign from the sun. He knew I was innocent, I never carried no gun. And that hate put me in here But love's gonna bust me out You might not see my lips moving But the Lord heard me shout He knew that hate put me in here And love's gonna bust me out Thank you. Here's a song by Zave and Bonnie, sung by Zave Nathan, and telling a little about his experience as a French person coming over to this country, with a slightly humorous slant, I would say. Yo, man, check it out. Hey, look at that. Yeah, man, this dude looks weird, yeah, man. Weird. Is he from Mars or France or what? France. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. This dude is shopping at? You think he's cute? Mm-hmm. I just arrived from Paris today with no reason but church la femme. I got my clothes, my face, I feel so debonair. Hey, come on, allez-vous, monsieur, madame. And here I am, just a stranger in the streets of LA, looking out for something to do. 
This is Johnny Blue Star, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. My company, under the direction of our technical director, Hassan Khan, specializes in the development of user-friendly WordPress sites. These may be used in manifold ways to promote products and services, to become a platform or forum for your ideas, or your special interests or fascinations, or to enhance your personal image. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.newgalaxyenterprises.com and fill out the contact form. Now we're back with Stephanie Slevin and myself, Johnny Blue Star, on Threshold Radio, discussing part two, which is called The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer, which you can find in YouTube. And also there's a book called The Power of Intention, which is a tremendously powerful book. Now in this, in Actually, the end of part one and the beginning of part two, he discusses what he calls the seven faces of intention. These are kind of remarkable thoughts. One of them, the first one, is creativity. How do you look look at creativity from Wayne's point of view, Steph? Well, I think we are all creative, but to bring out the creativity to its maximum, I think you have to connect to your spirit because there is no guidance without the spirit. And let God into your soul and he will move your hand you know and if you connect to the universe you will start to do things more and more and more and be more creative that's what I believe well you know I was um, when I was in high school I was uh, trying to write poetry even even before high school and what we call junior high and I my poetry was kind of stimulated by the beatniks the beat poets particularly Allen Ginsberg and Hal and other people of that that genre, which was kind of free verse. But later on, I started to connect with the more sophisticated poets, including the neoclassical poets, like uh, T.S. Eliot was my favorite, but um, also the romantic poets like Keats and Shelley. And I decided at some point, as I studied the classics in high school, that I wanted to write, I wanted to be a playwright, but I wanted to write in verse, which is very unusual. 
And I started to write. Uh, I went to a, a, the Banff School of Fine Arts for a summer program that's in Canada. And for the first time, I was exposed to really creative people who weren't, you know, just uh, thinking thinking that the only great people were athletes. And uh, it was kind of an interesting experience. And I started to write this play. And as I wrote this play, things came to me, Stephanie, that were like, I, I, I can't say, they were so far more advanced than anything I thought I could do. I understood them, but they were coming from a place that was so profound. Anyway, at some point, I began to be able to write poetry that seemed beyond my capacity. And uh, it was a very unusual experience. And it, it seemed to be related to a certain state of consciousness. I didn't really know what a state of consciousness was back then. But I now see that I went into this place. And I, I could write in a way that was far more advanced than I seemed to be in a normal state of consciousness. And I relate that very much to this idea of creativity. And at some point, I became a little bit upset with this because I was looking for something more than that state of creativity that connects that c connected me to this higher ability to write. And now I realize I was connected, but I just didn't understand that it was the core of it, you know, what I was really connected to. I just understood that I could do this thing, but I, I, I wanted more. I wanted to understand what it really was, and that became... A, almost a light, lifelong search. So anyway, I think that creativity is really important. Uh, and, and by connecting with source consciously, knowing that you're connecting with source, this brings out a much more advanced understanding of who you are and how you are more than what your, just your normal personality is. Yeah, I agree. And I can definitely relate. I used to write many things from the age of four, Johnny. And when I was in London from the age of six, I used to take my writings to the school but they didn't believe that I wrote them. When, they used to, when I used to bring them in, they said to me, you did not write these. I said, I did write these. And they used to give me detention until I'd turn around and say that I, that I didn't write them. So I had to lie and say I didn't write them just to get out of the detention because they couldn't believe that a six, seven, eight-year-old girl could write such things like that. And that's been a constant battle for me for a long, long time. But now that people realize that I can sing and I put all these lyrics into music, they, they believe me. It's, oh, my God, she, she did really write those things. She can do this. And since I've connected with spirit, I mean, I've gone from writing two songs a week to ten songs a week. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> four songs a day. It could be the Guinness Book of World Records is, is waiting you. I just mentioned that the other day to my friend. She said I should look that up because that could be a possibility in the future, yeah. So getting back, so creativity is something that Dyer, who is a, was a creative writer, really encourages because it can happen to anybody, an engineer, a scientist, uh, somebody who's trying to create the perfect garden, whatever it is, you want to connect with source. And, and, and so you're lifting your state of consciousness to another place. And I think that's very important. I've always been connected to the source. I just didn't know it. But now that I know it, you know, my, my gift is advancing to different levels. I'm even surprised by it. I mean, I write things sometimes like, oh, my God, I can't believe I wrote that. You know, but God gives me this gift. So really everything he gives me, you know, what, for what is mine, if not belonging to him? That's what I like to say, you know. Well, the second part, uh, the se second face of intention is called kindness. Now, this is another revelation for me because there are certain people like call me on the phone and, and telemarket me that I become extremely unkind. Or when a person tries to sell me something that I truly don't want, I will become very sarcastic and nasty. I don't think this is a good thing. I think Dyer is right. We should try and be kind, particularly to those people who are being very offensive to us. What do you think, Steph? A hundred percent. I mean, I'm kind to everybody and everybody's not always kind to me. But since I've connected to spirit, I, as I say, I don't get angry. And things that used to upset me before do not upset me anymore. I think, well, that's the way they are. Just let them get on with it. I like, I just want to walk with the Lord, not with the soul. So that's how I'm living my life. <laughs> that's a really good one. Thank you. Well, another one that he speaks of is love. Now, love to me that he's speaking about is sometimes in, uh, is sort of agape or karuna it's in another language. 
It's, it's, it's love that's coming from source. It's, it's um, unconditional love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The language of love should be on the tip of every tongue. And I like to say, be a thing of beauty that walks among the plains and just, you know, come with love. Because God is love, the universe is love. Walk with love. So one, one, with one, love. one isn't really talking about platonic love, which is friendship, and I'm not talking about romantic love, which has sometimes an erotic component. It has a passionate component, but it's 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 not it's not the kind of love that we're no, speaking of love. here. We're talking about love that could you could love somebody who is tremendously hostile to, towards you, or somebody tremendously indifferent to, towards you. But to be in that state is not really what we're used to being, or most of us. I certainly am not. But I have experienced it, and I wish to experience it more because I, if I'm ever going to connect to source, I think I have to. Yeah, you could look at it this way. An enemy at the gate is a friend at the door. Ah, okay. Well, another, another thing that he talks about is beauty. And uh, I think it's really important to try and see things, to see the beauty in things. And I, I remember one of the things he says about Mother Teresa was that the way she grew spiritually is she began to see the face of Jesus and all the petitioners and beggars and crippled people and really sad people that she would meet every day on the streets of Delhi. Yeah. So, I had a vision of Jesus when I was a child, and I had another vision of Jesus recently. But I think you have to see the beauty in everything. I really do. And I've started to see the beauty in ugly things. And that's what, and it connects you more, not just to the universe, but to nature. Sometimes it becomes overwhelming. That's true. Our, our nature, certainly on this plane, is extremely harsh. And there are a lot of harsh things happening to, in nature now. Uh, I'm talking about rising, a lot of melting glaciers and rising levels of the sea, a lot of tornadoes and cyclones and hurricanes, and uh, a lot of flooding. A lot of disasters are happening, and to try and see something there that's not just pure terror, I think might be very interesting to have that point of view. Yeah. Then he speaks about expansion. How would you explain that? Expansion? What you mean, putting your stuff out there? Well, no, I think expansion in his case, and I tell you, I'm not not sure here. I think expansion means being able to to see beyond what you would normally see, to do things beyond what you'd normally do. Well, that, I think that comes natural. The more you connect to spirit, like I said about my songs, I've gone from writing four songs a week, sometimes I'm writing eight songs a day, because you're expanding, you're growing in strength. The more you connect to spirit, the more things you are able to do, the more it will give back. Well, an another uh, face of intention is called unlimited abundance. And this is something I think I've improved a lot, but I have times where I have certain fairly large aspirations. And these things have been, these desires have been with me a long time. But I also have a lot of, uh, you might say, limited kind of thinking. So it's trying to discriminate between what's reasonable because you're not ready to do something and being able to envision something better happening. And recently, some really important things have happened to me, so I'm able to have a radio series and promote my books and do things that I never really could do before. And I'm very grateful for that. But I also feel like, you know, I'm still not free of this limitation uh, in, inside of me where I don't really completely c commune with... The, the possibilities for for success. Do you, you see what I mean? Yeah, I see. So, so it's a struggle. And yeah, it, one, is, it is a struggle. One reason I started the uh, Wayne Dyer Experience discussion group was so that I could grow too. And this radio show is about that growth as well. Because I think the more you talk about it, the more you think about it, the better it is. And, and there's one last thing that we'll discuss in the seven faces of intention, which is receptivity. Are you receptive? Are you waiting for the universe to speak to you? Will you listen if it does speak to you? Will you be able to be receptive to things that happen to you that are maybe not so pretty, that are kind of difficult things? 
uh, or people who are very, very difficult. I think that receptivity is a real important part of, of uh, the spiritual path. Johnny, I've always been receptive to the universe. I've always talked to the universe. I mean, most of my friends thought I was crazy, but that's what I'm like. I've always talked to the universe, and, and I've listened to the universe, and it's like, it makes a noise like a vibration. Sometimes you can hear it, and I know this sounds silly, but it sounds like Morse code. But I've always been receptive to the universe. And I'd just like to say quickly, I used to, when I wasn't connected to spirit, I'd blame God and say, why did you hurt my grandmother? Why did you let people hurt my grandmother like that? And now I look back and I see the things I'm doing, and out of something so ugly, I'm doing something so beautiful. Because now I'm connected to spirit. I can see the beauty in the plane. And maybe there is a challenge for your grandmother and for you and for your family that needed this experience. Because I've had, you know, really negative experiences, but in, in dealing with them, I, I think sometimes I've become a better person. Oh, yeah, definitely. You'll grow through it. I'm becoming a better person than what I used to be. I knew I was always in there, but I just needed to bring myself out. And it's a scary thing because for a while there, I looked in the mirror and I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't recognize myself. And it's been a, a scary thing for my family of all the changes, but they're starting to adapt now. So good things are starting to happen. That's really great. Well, we're going to take a break now and we're going to, we've dealt with the seven faces of intention and now we're going to deal with the dire dozen. We'll be right back. Patricia Welch is clearly one of the most accomplished singers living today. Recently, she created a wonderful CD set called Great Entertaining, Cocktails, Dinner, and Dessert with Patricia. Here are two complete shows with Patricia Welch, Evolution of a Singer, and Cocktails with Patricia. Find them in our ThresholdRadio.com archives, as well as our SoundCloud and YouTube channel. Here's a clip of a song composer Edgar Ahrens and I wrote for Hadley's Castle, an album we've been working on with Patricia. We must have known this place before Where waves crash cruelly on the shore And wind carves out remorseful rules In deep shadows on silver This is Johnny Bluestar, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. The original productions by Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix in particular has opened up a new and powerful form of television that has both global income and still unexplored profit potential as convergence between offline and online media continues to blossom. 
We can help persons needing creative help to turn their ideas for television pilots into actionable, marketable scripts. There's probably nothing more exciting in the field of entertainment than these new vistas online as that capacity crosses more and more to the big screen. And the opportunities for instantaneous online projections of any type of media in that perennially popular venue. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.NewGalaxyEnterprises.com and fill out the contact form. This is Johnny Blue Star back with Stephanie Slevin, a UK singer-songwriter who I believe understands a lot about being connected. And if you heard as many songs of hers that I have, very diverse, very interesting, sometimes very strange, uh, you would understand why I asked her to join me in discussing the Wayne Dyer experience particularly focusing on the power of intention. And right now we're going to speak, speak about, discuss the dire dozen. There are 12 of them, obviously, if there are a dozen. And uh, the first one is called, Want More for Others Than You Want for Yourself. I find that kind of difficult. What do you make of that one? No, I've always wanted more for others than what I have for myself. I mean, even though I'm, I'm doing this for myself now, my music, I did it like for my grandmother, because I want her to have a voice. She was a beautiful person and she deserves to be heard. And I'm doing it for my family. I've never really wanted much for myself, just to be a better person than what I have been, the way I've lived my life. And But I like to help people. That's always, I've been like that since I was very, very young, since I was about four years of age. That's, that's in me. That's naturally the way I am. Well, I, I, I find it, I think that I'm selfish in some way. I think I have felt this sometimes, but I'm I'm always feeling there ain't enough <laughs> for me. And this is uh, something I'm trying to overcome. When you feel that way about yourself, you have a hard time feeling that way about other people too. But I also feel helpful sometimes, and I, I, want, I want to help people and give to people. But there is this part of me that I'm trying to work, work around or, or dissolve if I possibly can. Then the second one, Ah, this is a really interesting one. Think from the end. I recently had a need to do this radio show and books and a lot of things that I wanted to do. And suddenly it arrived. That ability arrived. And the interesting thing was, is that I went ahead and did exactly what I had envisioned of. And it was impossible. When, when, I, when I tried to envision it, there was no root to that possibility at all. And there were some things that were fragments of it, but this gave me the possibility of actually carrying it out. And now we've had, I don't know, maybe 40 programs, and I've gotten to meet a whole lot of interesting people and work with interesting people. But I think it's really amazing that this all was envisioned before, according to the teachings of Dyer and other people who, uh, who, who think that way and teach that way. How about yourself? Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, a little while ago, I mean, I don't ask God for much for myself, Johnny, but obviously I'm trying to make a living like anybody else. And I did say to Spirit and I closed my eyes and I meditated and I did ask him for a particular song to help me to get noticed to where I need to be. And within minutes of me saying that, this particular song came and I put it out there and some good things happened with that song and I got some followers because of that song. So, you know. What, what, what is that song, Steph? <laughs> I didn't really want to say. Come Do you on. want me to say? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Walking Dead. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was another song. No, no, it, it was that song because I'm, I'm trying to take my music down a certain path. And I, I said, even though I know that God gives me good songs, I just wanted, I said, please, can you give me a song to impress certain people? Because I didn't get a song while watching this particular show. And then as soon as I said that, within minutes, that song came. And I knew he'd answered me. Ah. And I felt like at least I'm going, he only did that because I'm going on the right path and I'm doing the right thing. So I feel like I was rewarded. Well, the next part of the diet doesn't. And now that's really hard because he wants you to appreciate bad things as well as good things. And but like I, I said with my grandmother, that was a bad thing, Johnny, but I appreciate that now. I look back now and see the things I'm doing, and I never saw a window of opportunity before. Like I said, that was an ugly situation, but I'm doing beautiful things with that. 
So that's what Wayne Dyer is talking about, you know, seeing the seeing the beauty in ugly things. I think I'm going to do a life review and try and see. There's so much in my background that I don't appreciate and I resented. And I think I'm going to go back over a lot of things, particularly in childhood, and see if I can understand them better. Of course, part of it is that you do grow from these things and your behavior changes and certain things happen. Well, the the fourth is kind of related to all the things we've said so far, which is to stay in rapport with search energy. Well, Johnny, if all those bad things didn't happen to me as a child, or those bad things didn't happen to my grandmother, I couldn't do what I'm doing now. So, you know, and I'm helping people. I've discovered recently that I am helping people with my words and my songs. So I'm doing wonderful things with that. Well, putting, putting a little bit of magic into tragic. That's what I like to say. Putting ma- a little magic into tragic. Well, then getting back to this fourth part of the diet dozen, uh, which is to stay in rapport with source energy. Now, this is something that's really important to me because I do experience this. I experience this sort of, it's sort of like, you might say, people would say an altered state of consciousness, but actually it's maybe it's it's the right state of consciousness and what we're normally in as people is is an altered state of consciousness. But it's a really wonderful thing to experience uh, because you're feeling like God is walking right with you. You're in the garden. You're there with God. And that's a a wonderful thing. And I wish I felt it all the time, but sometimes I really don't. What do you say to that? Yes, I mean, sometimes I get my days like that, you know, and I think, oh, my song's good enough. And I get my days of doubt. I think we all do. But then I just lay there and I close my eyes and I just think, look at all the things. I actually listen to my own songs sometimes to convince myself that they're good enough. I still do that. I did it actually earlier on. But I know that God is with me. He's with us all. We just have to let him into our heart so he can move our hand, you know? Yes, I understand. Now that brings us to the fifth part of the dozen called resistance, which is any thought that's other than the thought that source would think. There's always something there. And, you know, I, I see the things, I, because I just, you know, I've, I've seen this video before, but I, I watched it again and parts of it twice to prepare for this discussion. And I saw that there was, you know, uh, certain things happening to me where I'm judging, I'm being negative, I'm being this and that. And there's such a cluster of these things, it's sort of blocking me. So I, when I see that, I start to try and chip away and, and replace my thinking with a n- different kind of thinking. And I have to say, what, what Dyer really did for me, and I was having a real hard time when I was dealing with, the, when I was, when I first encountered that Dyer could be a source of help to me, was that you really have to change a whole lot of things about yourself sometimes in order to be able to think the way Source does. It's not a simple thing. It's it's like a, a remaking of a lot of your patterns of of thinking and feeling that block you from this higher experience. Yeah, you have to form new habits. You have to form good habits. You know, and I find that. But um, what I like to say is um, be one with the source and you will get to go places. Ah, well, that's that's sort of like leading us to six. Contemplate yourself as surrounded by the conditions you want to produce. Now, this is something like thinking from the end, but it's not quite as specific because like you might want to be able to eat in good restaurants or you might want to drive a car that's really nice to drive. So you actually contemplate yourself driving that kind of a vehicle or being in in a nice restaurant or uh, being in the country. I found that um, recently that I'm taking sort of regular walks in, in a certain nearby woods. And this is just absolutely renews me. And when I, I, before that, I had all, I sort of desired to do this, but I didn't know where to do it. And I would think about how more comfortable I would be if I could be with nature. And I found a place that I have easily ac- easy access to where I can get that, that experience. So that was really important to me. Now, another thing, uh, number seven of the dire dozen is understand the art of allowing. What do you think that means, Steph? The art of allowing. Well, you have to allow the spirit to, to enter you, to connect with you, not fight against it. For years, 
I mean, I heard this little voice telling me I could do things, but I listened to all the negative voices surrounding it telling me that I couldn't. And now I listen to that one little voice and I'm allowing myself to go forward. I'm allowing myself to put things out there. I think that's what he means. I think that's one part of it. But another part of it is to allow, like you're, you're, you're trying to, to sell something or you're trying to connect with someone. And you, but you're afraid to do it because you're afraid of the rejection or the something that will happen as a result. And I think that that is really important to allow yourself to face things like that or face negative people without retreating totally. Try and deal with situations positively if you can. Now, another thing, and number eight is uh, uh, practice radical humility. <laughs> I don't think I'm too good at this one, even though I have every reason to be radically humble. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Johnny, I've always been like a down-to-earth person, and I don't have to practice doing so many things because they've always been in my nature to be like that. And But I mean, yes, I was very upset about all rejections, but I don't get upset about things like that anymore because I just know it's not meant for me. That's how I look at things, and that's how Wayne Dyer looks at things. So I've started to look at things that way. He's very inspiring, you know. Yes, so, he is. Now here, here's another one that I have trouble with: be in a constant state of gratitude, because there's so many things that upset me still, and I, I just, he, he's not saying be grateful for all the good things. Be grateful for some of the bad things. Whoa, I don't know about that one. That's really tough. But well, back, I, to my, back to my grandmother and my childhood. I'm actually, like I say, I now see it different. I see those things happened for a reason so that I could go forward and, you know, help people and make a lot of good come out of something so bad. So I know it sounds strange, but I'm actually grateful for the bad things that happened to me now. I'm in a, I never was in that place before, but I'm in that place now. Relating to that, there's another number 10 on the dire dozen is you can never resolve a problem by condemning it. Whoa, again, that is a tough one for me because I get really mad when, when I can't resolve something and I just get mad at that it exists. I wish it didn't exist. And we are, we're kind of the opposite there, Johnny. Like I say, I get upset with things. I don't really get angry with situations I get if I can't solve something I just get more upset or I say please God or please angels help me with this that's the kind of person I am I've always been that way well I, I would say that I'm, I'm more likely to curse everything connected with that problem rather than be be um, resolve it in any other way that I mean I can get really really upset and again I know I have to do something about that but um, it's just there's a long checklist Seth very long checklist. <laughs> yeah. Then play the match game, and that's, are you matched up with the energy of source when you're doing something? Well, I just came to the conclusion prior to this, uh, prior to this conversation that I really wasn't matched with source, and I've been trying to disentangle it. And, of course, getting back to Wayne Dyer helps me disentangle it. Just a credible blessing. I am grateful. I am appreciative of what Wayne Dyer does do. Another thing that he said, the twelfth of the Dyer dozen, is to meditate. Now, you see, Steph, I was meditating since I was 14 consciously. That's a long time. I won't say how old I am. I'm in a, I'm in a certain place where perennial youth is definitely something I'm grateful for, or will be. At any rate, uh, meditation itself was an attempt to connect with Source. I didn't do very well for a long time. And then at one point, I started to connect with certain other states of consciousness. But I didn't understand all the other things that you need to know to make that beneficial, like the things he's talking about, uh, which fit into the category of manifestation and right thinking, so that when you when you are in a state of consciousness, you can recognize this is a source state of consciousness. This is not just any state of consciousness. And you can actually start to see your dreams come true. Yeah, I agree with that. But I never used to meditate. To be honest with you, Johnny, you suggested it to me a little while ago. I don't know if you remember. 
And since then, I have started to meditate. But um, I've always had visions, and they've made my visions a lot stronger. It was a little scary at first, but then I started to have some beautiful visions when I was meditating. So I, I feel like I'm even more connected to the source now. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Being in the present moment, which is part of or mindfulness, which is sort of the beginning point of meditation, at least for me, does enhance the experience of spirit. So just being able to stay in in a room and maybe hear the the noises around you, feel the air conditioning or the breeze on your arm, uh, experience your breathing or your heartbeat, all these things root you in the present moment and make you more receptive to spirit. It is now time to hear from Dr. Hugo Rodier, MD, who regularly brings to us his insights and wisdom from the forward-looking integrative medical perspective. Hi, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Today, I want to uh, highlight a great SKNA survey. They're an outfit that uh, surveys the nation from time to time, quite reputable. They surveyed a whole lot of doctors, in fact, uh, 297,000 medical practices representing 740,000 physicians. And they found that the number of docs who still receive drug reps in their practices continues to drop. Now, last year, uh, excuse me, in the year 2010, it was 50%. 50% of docs would see drug reps. And now 2016, it it has dropped to 35.2%. I believe this will continue to drop. I quit seeing drug reps years and years ago, decades ago. Uh, I think that uh, their information is tainted. It's quite given to marketing. Uh, the real evidence is it's not published in the journals. We know that uh, about one-third of medical research is tainted by statistical quirks or outright lying. And often the negative studies against a particular drug are not published at all. So if you were to throw all the studies in a hopper and publish them all, you would see that drugs are not as efficient, not as beneficial, not, not as harmless as we have been led to believe. So I believe that this number dropping from 50 from 50% of doctors to 35% of doctors seeing drug reps signals that doctors are beginning to realize these simple facts that we've known for decades. The pharmaceutical industry, as much as we needed in acute cases, you know, like a heart attack or a stroke or a car wreck or some other catastrophe. Yes, we need drugs for those very immediate uh, emergent uh, situations, uh, but when we start to use the same drugs for chronic diseases, uh, diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol, depression, uh, they don't work as well. The best way has always been, always will be, to change our lifestyle, to work on those things that have created the problem, which uh, always fall into nutrition, uh, lifestyles, uh, stress, toxicity in the environment. So pharmaceuticals are beginning to feel the pinch and stay tuned because in the future we'll talk about what they're looking at to prop up their sagging revenues and that is the manufacturing, the invention of new vaccines. Dr. Rodier works out of his own integrative health clinic in Draper, Utah. Although he, of course, takes office visits, he also schedules consultations on the phone. For complete contact information and to read his blogs, newsletters, hear his podcasts, and buy his books, go to hugorodier.com. That's H-U-G-O-R-O-D-I-E-R dot C-O-M, hugorodier.com. At any rate... Steph, we're going to have to go now because it's over with. But I, I, I want you to just tell us a little bit how people can actually connect with your music. Um, you mean where they can find it? Yes. Um, they can find me on Reverb Nation or YouTube, or I'm on Twitter at Steffi underscore Halo. I used to put my name in Google, Stephanie Slevin, and usually it comes up with all my music. Yeah, You'll and, see and me. We'll put it in search in YouTube too. Yeah, and then it'll just come up and it'll show you all my videos and all my music. Yeah. And, of course, there have been, uh, if you go to Threshold Radio, I mean, you go to YouTube, you put Threshold Radio and yeah. uh, your name. Or if you go to uh, thresholdradio.com and search the, uh, for our shows, you're going to see several hours of 
talking to Stephanie, but these hours will be accompanied by her music. So I thank you for today. This is another wonderful experience with you. And I hope the people in, the, uh, in, in, our, in our little group, the Wayne Dyer Experience, will get something out of this. And we hope to have some programs where we can actually talk with them about their experiences. Thanks. Definitely. Thank you for having me back on the show. It's a pleasure. Thanks, thank Steph. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For those of you interested in discussing the subject spoken about in Threshold Radio, I have two LinkedIn discussion groups, the Wayne Dyer Experience, which permits members of LinkedIn to discuss the books, videos, and teachings of Wayne Dyer, and the specifically Threshold Radio group, which deals with the topics featured on Threshold Radio, a program that looks at political, social, and personal issues from the standpoint of self-empowerment and manifestation. Kenneth Eid is a novelist and attorney, often appearing on Threshold Radio as a guest, discussing the kind of critical, real, political, and legal issues he presents in his fictional novels. Although fictional, his novels both entertain and inspire readers to wake up to the momentous challenges to our health, freedom, and safety in today's world. Here's a sampling of his novel, The Spy Files. The Spy Files is another riveting component of Kenneth Eads' Brent Marks' legal thriller series. When Michael Fine, a young journalist, asked Brent Marks to assist him in a freedom of information request, classified documents are accidentally released to him by the FBI. When they're not returned, there's big legal trouble afoot for him and for his attorney, who are facing criminal prosecution. The story, however, starts off with a murder. Here's an excerpt. The Spy Files by Kenneth Eade Read by Maxwell Zener. When Chan approached the lab, he could see that the lights were on. That's strange. I'm sure I turned them off. Maybe it's the janitor. He unlocked the lab door and startled the man who was sitting at his station. Chan's monitor was illuminated. What are you doing there? The man rose from his seat and looked to his right and then to his left, deciding whether to run or stand his ground. Chan approached him. I'm calling security. You shouldn't be here. Just back off, Chinaman, and I won't have to hurt you. Chan put his right hand on his stun gun, searching for the nerve. With his left hand, he picked up the phone and started to punch in the number for security with his thumb. Put it down, Chinaman. Chan looked up to see the man pointing a gun right at him. He set down the phone slowly. You're going to shoot me? Just walk away and nobody gets hurt. Just walk away. You didn't see anything. Chan took two paces back. He bent to pick up his briefcase. Leave it. Just keep moving. Chan let go of the handle of the briefcase. The man approached him slowly. Chan took another two steps back and the man took several steps forward. Chan put his hand on the door and the man gently pushed him through it. Taking his chance, Chan rotated, slammed the taser against the man's body and let it rip. The man dropped the gun and staggered back, bracing himself against a table. Chan came back into the lab and lunged for his briefcase. With a surge of energy and anger, the man tackled Chan, slamming him back against a lab table. Chan fell hard, hitting his head. Chan lay there still. The man panicked and felt his carotid artery. There was no pulse. Oh, shit. What a mess. He pulled his cell phone out of his pocket. From... The Spy Files by Kenneth Eade Read by Maxwell Zener. We will be going out with a song from Patty Greer, but first a short invitation from Threshold Radio. If you like Threshold Radio, a program dealing with core issues affecting our personal, political, and spiritual lives, and advocates the creation of an enlightened and informed citizenry throughout the world, then you might think of supporting your business and our message by advertising on our show. If interested, just go to www.thresholdradio.com or contact me at johnnybluestar at gmail.com.
Take me deep into your heart. Show me. Take me deep into your heart. 